We've been on this uh, apathy thing for a while, but we have gaps that we put in there for different things. But this is our last time uh, to talk about what might be some possible causes of sometimes I know I need to be a little more fervent. I know I need to be engaged. I know I need to be active in my spiritual walk, and I need a little more enthusiasm. I need some zeal, but for some reason, some reason can't muster it. It's called apathy or lethargy. Apathy. Without awe, apathy, without passion. And sometimes we just kind of go on autopilot. And what, we're ta- what we've been talking about in this series, we're going to go on after this and talk about what can we do to treat apathy. That's where I want to get. That's where but in order to get there, we're going to be talking about this. And we've talked about several, but tonight we're going to talk about the last two. And these last two are related to each other. And uh, it, it's, it's, um, the first one comes from a passage that was just read. It was read in the ESV. I memorized it as a kid in the NIV. And so that's the only way I can hear it. So I think we're going to start with that. I think it's 2 Corinthians chapter, yeah. I want you to see this word in red. This is Paul talking, and he's talking about what drives him, um, what drives him to do ministry, what drives him to be faithful. And he says, Christ's love compels us because we're convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. Compels. What exactly does that word mean to you? It compels you. We don't, we don't use this word very much. We talk about compulsion, maybe. We have certain compulsions. But Christ's love, and, and, and the scholars all debate, is he talking about the love Christ has for him? Or is he talking about his love for, what Christ, for, for Christ? Which is it? And the answer is yes, it's both. But Paul says, it takes away my free will. It really does. It, 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 it's what drives me. It's when I want to be lazy, when I want to just sit in my lazy boy and not be spiritual at all. not read. It makes me get up and read. It makes me think about others. It makes me pray. It makes me get up on a Wednesday night when it's dark early, and it's about to get there, and it's cold, and it's even rainy, and you're like, oh, it'd be nice to stay at home. Why don't you? Christ's love compels me i liken it to is ann dawson and ann's not here ann's not oh man okay so this last week she had this little minor i i call it minor because it didn't happen to me you know what minor surgery is it's surgery that somebody else has but she has a pacemaker put in uh, re, not put in, but re, the batteries replaced or something like that. She was getting a little bit, I don't know, that, that walker was slowing down and slowing down and slowing down. And so they give her a new battery, and this morning she was going. I mean, it was just, she was just oh, trotting along. It speeds up that pace. When I want to drag, no, it, it, it notices that your, your heart's not doing right, and it kicks in gear. It compels her, right? When maybe her own heart on a normal time would slow down, it, it compels. And that's what... That's what Paul says. It's, this is Paul's why. What's your why? What makes you come up on a Sunday night when, let's face it, a majority of our people don't? Why? 
What's your why? It better be compelling. Because your why is what drives you when part of you kind of goes in lethargy and says, I want to slow down. No, no, no. Paul is driven by this love of Christ. What drives us? I know I should do this, but, but part of I'm just lay, I'm, my flesh is weak or whatever. What's going to pe- compel us to struggle through it and go ahead and stay at it and do it anyway? What's going to make me live different from the world when everything within me just wants to go along with the flow, y'all? I just want, what makes me pick up when I'd rather be lazy? When I don't have the motivation to stay at it, what is our why, your, your, your sense of purpose that inspires you to stick with your meaning and that sustained action that you know you need to do even though you don't want to do? I remember talking to this guy, and I, I can relate to this, although I'm a preacher, and so that kind of takes away this, app, this option, but he's now an elder at Center Hill, but I remember talking to him when his kids all moved off. He had two, two kids, and they moved off, and so much of his life was spent living the Christian life to instruct his kids. We, we go to church, kids, so we all go to church, and, all, and I'm going to keep my kids, make them learn it, and, and, and to make it really part of their life, and then suddenly they're gone. I don't have to come to church anymore for my kids. They're all on their own now. And suddenly one morning he woke up, and he just want, I just don't even want to go. I had to find other reasons And y'all, there's plenty of other reasons. There is a very compelling one about your kids. I won't deny that. It's it's something that you want to put and ingrain in them as something. But but it's got to be more than that because when your kids are gone, your faith is for you. You know what? Churches, you need this too. You remember back when they said it's just a... It's a, a woman and child thing, and the, and, the, and the dads would drop them off at church and go and then come back and pick them because it's a, it's a mother and child. But is it? It's an all of us thing, isn't it? But it, it needs to be internal. It needs to be something that kicks in there. And it, no more, every, don't, don't make the preacher and elders come by and knock on your door every three weeks because you've been gone so much, can't get you to come to church. Where's your why? Where's your, what is your why? What? It's late when you suddenly remember, or maybe, maybe you're going for a drink of milk at night. The family all drinks milk in the morning. And you look in the refrigerator, and there isn't any. Someone else should have gotten some milk. But that's beside the point now. It's later in the evening. The closest thing to you is either a gas station or Dollar General. And it's kind of like... Where Michael lives, Dollar General's by seductions, and he doesn't want any confusion there, so he, he's not going to go there. Um, and it's inconvenient, and you've got to get dressed again, and you've got to get there and do it. What's going to make you go get milk instead of ranting and raving and complaining that somebody else didn't? That's your why. You're driving your wife's car from whatever, and you, and you look down, and of course, you know, it's on fumes. And yeah, you've got enough to get home, and she's probably got enough to start it in the morning and get immediately to the gas station, but it's going to put her behind on her day and get her grumpy, and it's going to be grumpy on you the rest of the day. So what's going to make you stop when you don't want to and fill that thing up when everything within you says, let her have this, let's her deal with this? That's your why. 
One business expert wrote a book called Start With Why, and his argument is corporations know what they're producing and how they're doing it, but elite companies know why, like like for instance, Apple, they want to think different and they're on the cutting edge and they, they have the entire disposition of this and the, everybody who has an Apple has that sophisticated attitude and that's how, they, that's how they, they know why they're doing it. The Ecclesiastes writer was looking for his why and, 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 he, and he gives a roadmap, right? And so he says, I tried this for a season. And you know what? It just didn't, it just became a meh. It's not worth it. So I tried this too. I tried women. I tried money. I tried drink. I tried building uh, you know, uh, uh, projects. I, I tried this and fame. And I tried all these things. And they all timed out on me. And finally, by the end of the story, had it figured out his true and his lasting why is this. Fear God and keep his commandments. This is the whole duty of man. That's your why. And when you know that why and when it's internal, it's inside of you. It clears the fog. It will reignite passion when it's flagging a little bit. It'll mobilize your creativity, but you've got to have a reason why that's clear to you. And it can't be fear, at least not for very long. Why do you come to church? Why do you pray? Why do you live a different kind of life? It can't be just because of fear, and it can't be because of an emotionally high worship service on Sunday. That's going to flag too. It's got to be something that grabs your heart and doesn't let go. And in the bad days and the frustrating days, it hangs on and it drives you as a motivating force. So for Paul, here's some of them. Let me give you some of them on here. I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I've suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish. Rubbish. These are good things he did. I count even my good things as rubbish in order I may gain Christ, be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ Jesus, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him, the power of his resurrection, share in his sufferings, conform to his death. You know what? Everything within me, I just want to know Jesus better and better and better and better. And that's what drives me, Paul says. Next dream. Jesus. Notice this line. He's the author and perfecter of our faith. Who for the joy set before him endured the cross. How did he get through the cross scene? Reunion with the Father was on the other side. And he could, either, he could either completely destroy the relationship with his Father or restore it completely through obedience. And which is it? It's going to be that. Restore it completely. Next one. This is Peter. We didn't follow cleverly invented devised myths. Peter says, this Bible that we're following, the Scripture, these are not just stories and random things people put together. We, we know it. We were eyewitnesses of this. And he goes on to talk about how he saw it and he heard it. And he absolutely knows who Jesus is. And he knows that that's where he's going. And the whole reason he preaches and the whole reason he writes and the whole reason he still has breath is because of his knowledge of the truth. He knows this. I heard the voice. All this was confirmed and you need to follow it. For John, it was something very similar to this. 
That was from the beginning which you've heard, which we've seen with our eyes, which you looked at, and our hands have touched. This we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared, and we have seen it. We testify to it. We proclaim to you the, the, the eternal life, which is with the Father, and has appeared to us. We want you to have it. We proclaim it to you so that you may have fellowship with us. We have been in fellowship with God and the Son, and once you've tasted that, you, don't, you just want to keep it. That's what John says. You know what that's like? It drives everything that John does. What is your why? Why are you here? Why is it that some of the demands that God makes on you, you're willing to actually do them? That why has to be pretty strong. And that leads to the second one, the last one we're going to talk about, the what. The what. This one almost seems like it's so self-evident we wouldn't talk about it, but what are the things that will produce that kind of closeness and zeal and enthusiasm? What will destroy apathy and replace it with uh, enthusiasm? Well, there's this one verse that makes me think that maybe this isn't as simple as we think. Here's the verse. One day, Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. Why would that be his request? Praying is so easy, a one-year-old can do it, right? These disciples grew up with the Pharisees, praying like they prayed. They prayed in the synagogue. The, Pharisees, the, the apostles, the disciples, they've all heard prayer all their lives. What is it about Jesus that makes them go, we want you to teach us this. And it's almost like, well, duh, we all know how to pray, do we? Do you think we know how to pray well? What was it about the way Jesus prayed that caused the disciples to go, you know what? We don't know anything about prayer compared to what he's doing. Uh, some people will say this. Some people say because of the dramatic responses that Jesus got from his prayers. I don't think so. I think when they saw Jesus go away for an hour or all night on a mountain or get up early and go off to a quiet place and pray, and when he came back, there was something different about him. And they wanted it. Where do we learn that kind of prayer? Where... Where do we learn? We go off and we learn that we can just share everything and have this long conversation with Jesus and it changes our entire disposition. It doesn't change all our problems and the stuff that we pray about. It changes us so deeply that other people look at and say, what's the deal with you? What's up with you? And they, they figure it out over time. And the disciples figured it out because all the way through the book of Acts, they start doing the same thing. This close relationship Jesus had I think there's people who don't pray because they don't really know how to. The only example they have is our two-minute public prayers where we put in the same stuff we always do, which is fine. No problem with that. That's okay. But listen, when Jesus says, stay here for an hour while I go over there and pray, and I want you to pray with me, it was almost like, can you imagine what would you pray about if you had to pray for a whole hour? Does anybody have any idea? Could you fill a whole hour with prayer? How many think that you could 
fill a whole hour with prayer. How many think that sounds crazy? Be honest. How many, okay, let me ask this. How many of you regularly spend an hour at one time in prayer with God? That's what I thought. This is weird. That kind of prayer we don't know how to do. And I, okay, so let's do a sermon series on fasting. How many will go visit another congregation during that sermon series? Seriously, how many? I, I, I'm heading to Southwest. I'm going to Greensboro. I'm, I'm going somewhere else. You can do something on fasting. I, but how central was it to the disciples and to Jesus? And there's something about it that draws you closer to God that's always been that way, and it still is. But we don't know how to do that stuff. What if we got together and instead of having potluck, we got together and had nothing? Would you show up? Okay, let's have a fish potluck one Sunday, and then let's have a fasting potluck the next and see what the attendance does. Right? We don't know how to do this. Why would you want to do this? And yet that's what the disciples did. I love our Sunday morning worship. I love what we do, but... I. You know, I think we're supposed to have some bit of that kind of worship in our own lives. It doesn't look the same. It doesn't sound the same, but something like it. Do we know how to do that? I think about this. I, I, never, I, I don't remember teaching my kids to pray. They heard me pray. We prayed a lot at home, meals and otherwise. But I don't know that we ever went through. I don't know that I ever invited them. And there's Jesus saying, hey, uh, go into your closet by yourself and pray. And that's where your really serious prayer goes on. And I don't know that you invite people into that. I don't know that you do. Jesus must have, though. Jesus must have. But I think if we did a quarter on prayer, we talk about how we actually do it, and then we actually do it. At Slices Street one time, we did every quarter. At the, the last Wednesday night of every quarter, we just, instead of having classes, we had prayer. Each class had a different theme. We had missions over here. And, and, and it was hard to keep that going. There's not a lot of excitement for that. We just don't know how to do this stuff. Do you know how to visit somebody? Do you know there's an art to visiting people? There's this, there's something, there's something about walking into somebody's home and having some spiritually uplifting conversation with them that's not just a visit and say, hey, how you doing? Well, can I, can I change your light bulbs? And that's all fine too. But there's, there's something about this. And I don't know that we teach each other this. I don't know that anybody expects this to happen anymore. Serving other people. Serving other people. We got, I was at my parents' house on uh, Friday, and we walked in. She said, look over there at that wall, and all these cards. There's two of them, uh, I think, from different places. But it says, all these are Valley View, and like five are Mike and Missy Manning, right? I mean, it's like every other day. It's like, but there's a whole wall of cards, and that's a service. And sometimes sending a card is just sending a card, and sometimes sending a card is doing service for God. It just depends on your motive and what you're doing, and it's an art to it. And I don't expect everybody to do it. I, I'll say that every once in a while, and I'll commend people, and everybody says, oh, I should do that. Listen, there's some people that just, doing cards is not your thing, but do something. Serve in some way. 
Find your service niche and do it and master it and become one of these people who's proud of the, the tasks they do, like Mary Lee who sends these, these poems and stuff she does. It's amazing. Here's how we're going to conclude this. We're going to look at 1 Peter chapter 4. The reason this is important, Peter says, is because the end of all things is near. As the end gets closer, this, I'm about to talk about, Peter says, gets more and more important. As the end draws nearer, this stuff gets more important. And here's what he says. Be alert, be sober-minded so that you can pray. You need to be praying. As the end gets nearer, the prayer needs to get more frequent, right? But notice, above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Now, okay, we need to love each other. How do we do that? Well, some of you offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Now, why would anybody grumble about offering hospitality? Because if you're going to have somebody over, somebody's got to run the vacuum. And it disrupts your life, and you've got to mop, and you've got to set up the stuff. And you've got to clean it up, and you never know whether they'll hear your signals about it's time for you to go so we can have our Sunday nap, and they may stay all the way till 4, and you not even get one. That's the grumble he's talking about. But if that's your thing, having people and sharing your life, offer that hospitality. If that's your deal, that's your deal. Do it. Do it and master it and be good at it and invite them over. Notice the other ones, though. Each one of you should use whatever gift you've received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms, all to the glory of God. And so there he wraps it up. Our topic for tonight is this. Peter says this. Do something. Find your what. And do it for the proper why, for the glory of your God. If you have these two together, you will overcome apathy. Two things. Doing the right things for the right reasons could compel you to spiritual fervor. Joining a holy what to a holy why could provoke the Holy Spirit into a flame that starts a fire. And that is what he wants to do in you. Don't let apathy keep that from happening. Find your what. Find your why. Put them together. And let's be on fire for God in the way that God has lit you by his spirit. This evening, if there's any kind of thing in your life that for some reason keeps you from being fervent for God that puts out that spiritual fire that Romans tells us we're supposed to have and for whatever reason the response that you make publicly can help you you can do all this privately but if for some reason you just need to see the faces of God's people encouraging you make it known as we stand and as we sing